Okay, so in today's Daily Cyber, I'm going to be interviewing Joe Vest. He's the one of the co-authors of Red Team Development and Operations. So if you're interested in pen testing, red team testing, uh, really want to know the industry inside and out and what to do, this is a book and an interview you, you don't want to miss. So grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's hack at it. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, USADO. USADO is a Canadian-based cybersecurity company that provides 24-7 cybersecurity support and compliance service that align their customers' tolerance for risk, their clients, suppliers, and government contractual mandates. USADO's teams focus on using insights to drive business decisions. There's no need to leave strategies to chance when insights can be used to show what changes need to be made and how to make them. USADO offers multiple services to help companies simplify IT, centralize cybersecurity management, and meet compliance standards. USADO can customize their service to work with your existing IT network and programs. For more information, contact USADO at info at uzado.com or visit their website at www.uzado.com. So Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Oh, I'm amazing. Thank you so much for coming out to my podcast and being a guest. I loved your book. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, it was a lot of fun and a lot of work to get done. I was reading that you're the acknowledgement at the front. You were saying that everyone that you couldn't mention, you're going to give them hugs as you're, you're running around through the industry. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there, there's, there's too many people to name just like everything else we do in this industry. We're built, uh, we built on the backs of others. So this is a, uh, just a collaboration of uh, a lot of information and experience over the years. Right. Now you've been in the industry for 17 years. Yeah. That, something like that. So yeah, my first technical, uh, first it job was in 1998, maybe 97, but around 90, the end of 97, 98. So it's okay. been a long time in the it industry. In the long, it long industry. Time. So then yeah. how'd you transition into cybersecurity? So early on, being a young person doing security went down the hole. This was in the, uh, the dot-com boom days, the year 2000 stuff was going on. So a yeah. lot of the Y2K and a lot of those issues drove it in general. Right. Security was just a job that I had. I was working for uh, like a, a mid-sized accounting firm. Um, by this time, I did not know security was a thing. I would go to uh, conferences and there was at a conference and someone saw, had these letters behind their name that said CISSP. This is in the yeah. early 2000s. I had no idea what that meant. Right. Um, this person worked for a uh, forensics uh, company and they were doing a presentation on accounting forensics and such. But that wasn't important to me. I, I went and talked to this guy afterwards and said, what is this? How do you get in this? And that really opened my eyes that, oh, security is its own discipline. And this is this is CSSP is a thing. And uh, I said, well, that sounds really interesting. You can go to security testing. You can do all these things that I had no idea was its own discipline. I came back from that. Uh, and started to do a lot of my own security tests and realized I was terrible at security. <laughs> and I had okay. all kinds of problems that I discovered at, at that organization I was at. And, uh, but my whole eye and my mind exploded in new ideas and new things that I could do. So in those early 2000s, I started shifting and um, I went and got my CSSP. I actually okay. took nine months, read the entire book, did it the whole, I'll call it the right way, not the boot camp way. Right. And, and it, uh, it gave me a huge foundation um, of where, where I needed to learn, not just a certification. Um, and from that point on, I learned that you can go do uh, you know, professional hacking, security testing, 
And I decided that's what I wanted to do. And I, I just busted my butt nonstop until I could break that break. It took a long time to actually break into security, but probably in the early 2000s is when I, when I put myself on course. So now when you first got your certification, the CISSP, was that, is that more governance policies? It's not really hacking per se, correct? Not at all. Not at all. But I didn't know. Uh, yeah. I, I was alone. I didn't have a community. I didn't, I wasn't part of the security community. I was, I was just by myself learning this and just, uh, starting to absorb some security podcasts that were starting at the time reading, uh, information. And, uh, I started learning about that now, you know, hindsight 2020, I see what I perspective CSSP has. It's not as, uh, it's not way up here. It's kind of like a good, I'd call it a good medium or entry level certification to give you those foundations. At the right. time it was a step that I needed and not the certification, but the training and learning. I did that repeatedly with a bunch of other certs. Um, and I realized even today certifications value, we don't have to go down that route, but I, I don't value them very much anymore in my career now. But at the time right. they gave me a roadmap to, to so, do something. They were a so stepping stone to move forward. Let me ask you about that. I mean, and now you don't value them as, as much right now. Is that because of your experience? Um, yeah, yeah. The experience and uh, the certification market is really tough to where you can get certified in anything and then it qualifies you. Right. Um, and and I, I treat certifications as a minimum bar, not at a maximum bar. And in the industry, sure. a lot of times we look at that as, oh, I got this XYZ certification. So now I'm qualified. No, no, no. You hit the minimum bar it's a good bar to hit and it's better right. to have a minimum than nothing. But you know, you could go to school and pass your classes with a C or maybe even a D depending on the class. Right. And that's how I view certifications is, Hey, I just barely got over the hump. Um, right. So to kind of say that I can do this. Um, I wasn't going to go down the certification route, but I well, also, I, mean, on the, I, I encourage young guys or young uh, females to go and, and do this as well, because anyone who wants to, uh, to do security or any sort of technical thing, a certification is a really good path to lay out a defined scope of, uh, of things to work on, right. you know? And, and if, if you treat it right, if you actually go and learn and, and your focus is not the certification, but on learning, you can gain a lot out of it. Well, I think and that's what I did early on. And I think, you know, you kind of showed the path too, in the sense that, there's, you know, formal education where you go to now, you can go to college or university and 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 focus in cybersecurity or yep. the other path is going in the sense of certifications and getting a whole bunch of certifications underneath you. All of them, and I totally agree with you, is a stepping point of basic knowledge information and then you need experience to tie that in together. Now, oh, yeah. depending, depending on the path and, and journey you want to take, there's governance and policies and procedures. There's blue team type of configuration and setup, right? And hardening networks. And then there's kind of the red team side like you you do. And, and, and this is what your book's really about is how to, you know, really look at assessing and, and helping companies, you know, penetrate, you know, vulnerability testing and assessment, red team types exercise of making sure that they know what their gaps are and show in real time. And I think the certifications and just going back to that, I think that gives people more of an entry level education of this is what it is this is what yep. you're going to be doing are you interested and when you pass that certification good you have this base knowledge but now you have to go do the work oh yeah yeah you got to get out there and do it and uh but again um although that they're less important to me now it's just because i've been doing this in a, a while and they are they're great resume builders i mean right. i did that early on in the whole mcse microsoft's route i really got that went all the microsoft certs did all those kinds of 
things, uh, did the Cisco certification route. And those were great resume builders to help me move throughout my career and use that as, as a nice little gold star on my resume. Right. Um, and it can backfire as well. Cause I have had a interview where someone says you need to take all your Cisco experience off your resume <laughs> okay. because I was jumping the gun a little too fast and it put me in my place. Um, and I, said, ah, I guess I, I don't know this as much as I thought I did. So I had to go take a step back and learn. But it's an iterative process that you go through. You do some certifications. You, you learn some things. Uh, certifications aren't required. But on, the, on a career path, although they're not my favorite things anymore, I, re I recommend anyone new to anything in IT to go to cert do certifications because uh, they are, they're a small distinguisher. And at least it shows, hey, there's some effort I'm going to take to go get this thing done. Um, you know, like I said, it's a minimum bar. I would like to see people at least hit a minimum bar. Um, right. They move through their career. Well, like you said, it gives you a base knowledge. So when you're and I, I've been on the other side of the table where I'm been interviewing people and at least it gives you that base that they have a base knowledge. So at least you can talk to them. And then, you know, when they're coming in, you're going to have to train them right on your oh, environment, yeah. on your technology and everything that you're doing. But at least the, when you're talking to them, they're not like that kind of glazed eye look going, I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. That is definitely what you hope that to, <laughs> to get out of it. And, uh, as long again, it's your personal preference on how you take that. You can do a boot camp where you just cram, get the check mark for the certification, but you don't learn anything. Um, or you can actually spend the time to dig through it and learn it and move forward. Um, some certifications are better than others on that. Some really encourage you to boot camp it and, and their value are lower. Right. Um, some, some actually, um, you know, have at least a little bit of uh, knowledge that you need to have to get through it. So, and I, th I think my recommendation on people is to actually look at taking the certification to gain the knowledge, not to uh, brain dump. And we see this, and oh, I yeah. saw that with the Microsoft where you get these brain dumps and you, you, you memorize <laughs> them. I and know what you're talking about. The MCSE brain dump yeah. sites left and right. Oh my gosh, those are terrible. Yeah. And you memorize <laughs> it for, for the exam and then you walk out and you're like, I don't know a thing. Uh, Active yep. Directory, what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Group yeah. policies. <laughs> oh man, you're bringing back some old days there. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, I would yeah. recommend if you're looking at certifications and anyone watching this, do it for the education, do it for preparation for your career. Don't do it because you got a certification and you got like an acronym or you got a few letters behind oh, your yeah. name and right. Hey, I've got you know CSSP or you know. OSCP or, you know, we're looking at the hacking, which you can't get, which is a real world, you know, you know, actual test. You have to actually do work yep. to show your work, yeah. but like even like some of the ones that are more theory based, right? Make sure you do the work because it's going to provide you value when you get into the career right? and oh, what yeah. you're doing. So now let me ask you, like, since we kind of jumped in this, what, what are some things or some areas that you know now that if you could have known when you started, you would have changed and done differently? Oh man. First, thing honestly is security and it is brutal <laughs> the service okay. industry in general is just a brutal harsh environment um it's very competitive now yes we have a good community and people are working together but but it's really hard um right. what that also means it's really hard from when you look at it from a business side and i'd say this business aspect was the biggest thing that i had to learn uh going through this process to where if you're a hotshot IT person and you really know your stuff and you can configure, build things, or you are, you know, security left and right, and you know how to make it all work and test everything. It doesn't matter at all. If those who are going to pay for your services don't care. Right. Or they don't understand that, that, uh, understand that. 
I learned this and this thing's this hit me really, really hard. I was very young in my, in my career. I was probably maybe three or four years into it. And I was doing, and this time was IT trying to shift into security, doing all these great projects, making things happen, like fixing all the stuff, making it happen. The CFO, I sat down with the CFO of this company and was talking about all these IT efforts and stuff. And they, and he took a step back and said, okay, look, this is great. I'm happy that you're doing all this stuff, but everything you're doing is like the water company. It's either on or off. There's no quality. You know, right. it's like power or water. You have it or you don't. Um, I don't have better power or better water being delivered to me. So from his perspective, um, all of these services, IT, security, were, was a commodity. Right. And that's how he treated it. And, and I saw how this worked. And, and, and this, uh, it changed everything that I did. And I said, okay. I actually started doing more IT and security PM roles so I okay. on projects and I engaged directly with those who had issues and problems, whether they're security problems, technical problems, whatever it was and said, okay, what is the, the, what's the challenge we're trying to do? And the biggest thing I learned was when someone says this is what they want, that's not necessarily the, the case. You need to really okay. sit down and talk to them and understand where their needs are so that right. you can actually deliver a solution to those needs, not having something prescribed to you. And you need to learn how to take those, uh, whenever you're working on some challenge, all the prescriptive things that are given to you to say, okay, what is my goal? What am I really trying to do? Am I walking through this process because someone said I need a, you know, this widget? Well, maybe they don't need that. Maybe they're trying right. to do something else. Uh, this gets into scoping um, nowadays with, if you're doing vulnerability tests, pen tests, red teaming, you know, whatever kind of security test you want, someone will come to you and say, I need XYZ test. You don't just say, okay, here it costs $10,000 and here, let's go do this test. Right. That's the wrong approach. You need to take a step back and start to ask questions about what are the goals? What are you trying to do? Then you can back that into the appropriate test. That's right. the biggest thing that I learned um, from this. This is a service industry uh, component. Um, and, and this is part of living in the service industry. So more on the business side and, and business delivery. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I always say, um, you know, any of us in the security world who are doing testing, we are doing things in someone else's playground. This is not our playground. This is not our environment. This is not our system. We are going somewhere, whether you're an internal person or you're a consultant, you're being, you've been invited to come in and play on their playground. Um, if you don't play by the rules, you don't do it right, you can just get kicked out. It's like, I don't like that. You're not playing by my rules. If you don't like my rules, then go. Right. So you need to start to take a step back and say, okay, wait, if I want to go play in these other environments, I need to understand what those problems are. Right. I need to know how to engage with this leadership so I can take all of this great technical knowledge and apply it right. to, to achieve those goals. It's interesting you talk about that because I know uh, being in a account managing account executive type roles, a lot of companies want you to go forward with their technologies or solutions. And, you know, we're the best. We're top of this. We, we do things better. And I, I'm learning over time and distance, especially, you know, the more I'm in this industry, exactly what you're saying. The conversation is not about, we are the best. We do this the best. It's what the business needs or what that person across the table is needing. And specifically when you get higher up in the chain of the, the business and C-suite VPs, directors, it's more the business need versus actually the actual technology need, right? Where a lot of people go, well, you need a firewall, but why? You need, you need you know, a SIM, but why? You need endpoint protection. Okay, but why? What's the business need, 
right? Is it compliance? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it compliance? Is it something else that's pushing the, the business? And then when you start having those conversations, you can t tell more on what they need and then tie in the solution to that versus we need a sim. Okay, but, you know, then here we go, we'll look at all these different sims. They're like, okay, we've got a sim. But if you don't know what the business need is, you're selling them a device or a solution that they might change out, might not meet their needs. They might not be able to use it as a profit center. They'll use it as a cost center and they'll start to kind of look at, you know, cutting costs and doing all that because they don't understand how it's going to benefit the business. Right. And having that and, conversation uh, is, is important. What I've seen with that is even uh, um, building out relationships and trust right. with those who want to bring you on to help with their services. Right. Obviously, my perspective is a lot from an external consultant type perspective, but I've also been an internal person. But we're, we're always, you know, we have some customer, some person that we're, we're serving these services to. But what happens is someone asks you for their thing for, you know, a security test of some sort you start to learn what they want and they really just want you to understand flaws against an application. Right. And it might be a simple application security assessment. What you do instead of like saying, well, let's do this whole big red team engagement or some other large engagement, you focus on what they want and you deliver that and you deliver that. Well, you build that trust and relationship. And then you can actually say, Hey, by the way, while we were looking at this, we saw these other areas of interests. These could, if we analyze those and fix those, it could have this sort of impact on your organization. Not let's go find all the bad things. Here's a big punch list of bad things to go fix. Uh, see you later. Right. No, we need to map this back to some sort of operational um, risk that actually they care about. Right. Um, I know as if I, me, if I was starting to run and, and as a former business uh, owner, my risks, um, I would choose risks and take on risks because that's what you do. And that might mean secure from a perfect security uh, world that was low or lower. Right. You know, sometimes you take on those risks because that's what you have to do. You don't have unlimited resources, unlimited capability. So when you can start to focus specifically on understanding the problem set, right. you can actually use those resources effectively and get to the, to the point. Surprise, surprise. A lot of people in the world don't really care about security. <laughs> Right. They say they do, but they don't uh, because then you're like, well, that's hard. That's bad. Then they say, ah, let's just accept the risk. Right. And that's the world we live in. So you need to have that's like gets back to, you know, things I wish I knew starting out was, wow, not everyone really cares about security. So how do you have passion and move forward in something where the industry who's paying for you to actually play on this uh, in this playground? is willing to participate. And I think that's that, that's tough. And I think that's why it's important to understand the business needs with the technology because if you can talk in that level that if they have an old Windows 95 system that has an old database on it and you say hey that could be compromised is there really a business need for that it's because it's maybe an archaic system that sometimes once a year they have to audit and for whatever data is there and if it's not really connecting anything maybe it's not like an access point but if their main website e-commerce is there's a vulnerability there and they're going to lose money yeah, they're going to want to fix that, right? And you know, if yeah. they're losing ten thousand to a million dollars a day because of e-commerce, trust me, that's something they're going to want to look at because it's the business requirement, business need. And then we, as you know, like with compliance, right? If someone has a compliance need, uh, PCI, DSS, they have you know ISO twenty seven thousand one, they have NIST, whatever that may be, HIPAA, you know, a health, you know, health information. They're running under compliance. Trust me, they're going to want to get those things fixed because they want to make sure their business is running properly and they're not running any issues. So 
I think it's important when you're look, talking about the consultants and business that are out there trying to promote and sell is to really understand the business that they're talking to and what their needs are. Yeah, the last couple of years uh, of my career, I have spent most of my time on that side of the, uh, of the world, working with uh, leadership, senior leadership of a lot of different organizations to help them understand their complex problems. Right. And uh, I, uh, I fortunately have built up a pretty good knack for, for breaking through all the fluff and saying, let's get down to what we need. Let's find your core needs. Let's address those. Let's not keep talking about theoreticals. Let's come up with some realistic things we can move forward on and uh, do something which I, um, a good friend of mine would always say is, let's not make um, perfect the enemy of good. Right. In other words, let's find that good solution that meets what you need to do and move forward. Right. Um, because that's another issue is, is actually taking action and moving forward on that. Um, if you find a thousand flaws in my system, that doesn't help me. Right. I need to understand context of what can be actually achieved and done. So. Right. And, and, and something to add on to that is then you look at, because they might have 20 other projects they're working on, you know, their team might be, their resources might be already stretched. And now you give a list mm -hmm. of a thousand things to do. Okay. What am I supposed to do with this? Like we're already busy as it is, you know, and, yeah. and we have a certain amount of budget for this roadmap for this year. You know, what do you want me to do with this? You know, and, and like you said, yes. categorizing it and, you know, this is high priority. This is low and this is, you know, kind of mid range helps them to decide, okay, where they need to spend their time and their efforts. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have to bring solutions, not problems. Exactly. So Back to some 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 things I've learned over the years, right. and and I highly encourage uh, people to do and, and to really focus on that side. Technical side is really really important. I'm not discounting that, right. but the technical side can really be overshadowed if you don't have context and understanding of how to deal with the problems at hand from a business side. And I think that's that's a key point. Is if you're and people that are watching this or listening to this. If you're on the technical side and that's what your joy and that's what your passion, have a technical technical job, right? Work with the team, oh, yeah. right? Work, work with yep. a business acumen and then have other people that more speak the business dialogue, the business conversation. You know, I've, I work with people constantly that they're amazing on the technical side. They just don't want to have those conversations on the business side because that's not where they have their passion. That's not what they enjoy. They enjoy being deep into the technology. So, oh yes, yeah. no, it, it takes both sides. Now with that note, I still encourage everyone to get out of that uncomfortable zone and say, well, I can't speak to people. And I said, no, you need to talk to people. Right. This whole industry is about relationships. It's about speaking with people. Right. Um, you need to get out there. Um, you have a voice to say it's a small industry. When you start to, when you're working in this industry, you see how small the security community is. Right. There's room for everybody. It is not a large community. Um, I was very surprised at how quickly I was able to kind of talk and meet and know a lot of the arguably major players in the community. Not that that's a big deal. It's just, it's a small community. So yeah. it's, it's not hard to, is if you put yourself out there, it's not hard to uh, become part of that. And uh, yeah, very quickly. Uh, I, I definitely encourage everyone to get out there yeah. and put themselves in front. If they, if they can, I mean, like I said, the one thing that I, my, ca <laughs> my, my caveat is that you just know some people like, it's like, you know, what I think was one of the top five fears is speaking public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good thing you were, but yeah, I had a lot of people, if anyone who's worked on my team and if anyone ever listens to this, who's worked on my team, they know I'm like, now nah, you're getting out there. <laughs> we're going to go through this at least once. Right. I want you to go through this. And then we can say, okay, that may, be, may not be for you, but I can't tell you how many times I've got people to break through that. Good. Uh, because even if it's at a minimum, 
if you're highly technical and you can't explain anything, it doesn't matter. Right. If no one understands, but you cannot explain those things, the whole, let's explain it. Like if you're a fifth grader or a first grader to say, let's go in basic terms, let's break this down. How does this work? Right. And then, then you can work up into the more technical things. Uh, so you still have to have that communication skill. Yeah. Still highly, highly important. And I agree with that. And I agree in the sense that, you know, balancing out the soft skills with the technical skills is very important. Right. You know, if you, oh, yeah. if you can do it, I just like with the people that I've talked to the uncomfortableness, trying to give them a little bit of cushion and a little buffer that it's okay. If you're, you're not that an expert in that area, you don't feel comfortable. You still have your technical skills, your technical oh, yeah. skills, both are needed. So just, you know, as I know, like, you know, even myself doing videos and starting out, I knew how uncomfortable it was being on TV and kind of doing interviews and things like that. When you first get into it, where all these lights, all these cameras are shining on you and you're kind of going, uh, what do I say? Like, what do I do? Right. And they yeah. look at you oh, yeah. and they look at you go. And you're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear you on that. It's, I'm not saying that it's easy, yeah. but you can get into a groove and get through it. Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk about this book. Why, sure. why did you start? Why did you go into writing this book? You know, you're doing all this, your that business, book. you're consulting, you're all that. Now you've got this red team development yeah. operations book. That was never the idea to have a book. Okay. So uh, myself and James, uh, the other co-author on this book, mm -hmm. have been working together uh, on and off for, for a long time now. We were both kind of, uh, our careers kind of put us together and started doing red, red teaming together um, for a while. So we were working together in the red teaming space for a while. Right. And just like anything, um, and this would be, you know, quite a few years ago. So a lot of the, the models, the, the processes and stuff were not always formed. There's other groups who were doing this. Um, so we would kind of put processes behind um, in our minds and go through this and how are we going to actually operate? Both James and I were very much uh, built on the process side where we felt that the processes and the foundation were as or even more important than the technical solutions. In other words, you can't just apply technical problems to these, to these, especially large complex systems where you're doing full threat red teaming. There's a lot of risks. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of things to deal with and handle. You've got to have a really strong foundation so that someone can allow you to come play in that playground again. Right. So if you have a team of people doing not just simple pen testing, not to trivialize pen testing, but if you're going really, really in-depth adversarial uh, causing operational impacts, you want to have some control. Right. So as we were working on these really large red team engagements, we kind of put this in our mind. Well, we left that, that organization and we started our own company. And at the time we had some notes and some things that we were kind of flushing in our head. And I said, well, I want to do something. I want to really formalize this whole red team process into a practical, in a practical manner. Okay. And, and we were looking at how we're going to do this. And this is where I reached out to Sans and I actually uh, said, well, let me propose this. And I drugged James into this. He's like, I don't, what is he talking about, man? I don't want to go down that crazy route. What is, what is this? Right. And, and uh, so I wrote a proposal. I reached out to Sans and said, Hey, um, I, I would like to do this. So I had a conversation with uh, Ed Scotus at the time who uh, was in charge of all this, of the, uh, of the penetration testing uh, curriculums and everything. Okay. And I was able to convince him and he gave me a shot. Um, you know, I'd argue no one really knew who I was. Um, I was not in the, uh, the mainstream side of like security. I wasn't doing podcasts or blogs or doing anything crazy out there. I was kind of quiet. Um, uh, now 
the my my the industry and the those in the community they knew me right because it was a small community within within that red teaming community so there was some knowledge there but i convinced sans to let me try this and uh we wrote the first version of this uh sans 564 red teaming course in about four months okay uh, we already had a lot of it kind of documented in our heads and and just really like, you know, paper napkin type notes. But we went from zero to that in four months wow. and had the first beta class out there. And and if you ever see that process, it's not just labs. The, the, the content is is a tremendous amount of writing. For sure. To actually explain everything. So you're actually writing book. You're writing a, a technical manual. So I did that, uh, created a first two-day class with them, ran that for about two years. Um, Sands and me weren't, didn't go well together, um, as a, to try to move up the ladder. I could not, um, there's too much fighting of my own time. I was running my own company at the time with James. So we had a small five person security consulting team and I was teaching all of these classes eight to nine times a year with Sands and maintaining the material and do it and and doing all this. So, um, the, the, when I started to look to see something's got to give, um, I, I did not see anytime soon becoming a full certified instructor or the whole SANS route. Right. It just wasn't going to happen because I was only doing my two-day class. So I said, well, thanks, SANS. It was fun. I'm going to take my stuff and, and go. Right. Um, so it was my intellectual property. I let some time expire. And once that time came up, we said, hey, we're going to take this. We want to do something with this material. What are we going to do? We're just going to release it? I was about to just say, well, here we go. Let's just release it, blog post, put it out there. They said, um, talked with James and we said, well, let's take a step back. Let's reorganize some of this material. We're not going to really write anything new. We're just going to clean it up and put it into book format okay. and get it out there. So we did that. Uh, it took some time. Um, it took probably six months okay. to actually get through that process um, on and off of working uh, to get it converted from, from one format to the other. And then we finally released that this year in January, I think like the 24th or so of January. So we're about three months in, wow. I guess, of this book's yeah. release. Um, and uh, we put it out there. I was going to be happy to, to get 100 people to, to purchase it. It's done a little bit better than that. And uh, it's had some good um, feedback. Right. Um, and, and that's what I wanted to do. We really just wanted to have a practical framework for creating, building a red team. Um, a lot of people would ask me, hey, how do I build a red team? Okay. I was asked to build this. This red teaming thing is coming up. Um, so a lot of that was the motivating factors. Um, any of the blog posts I was writing were de- directly related to a lot of the content in the book. We were putting this stuff out there. So the book just kind of formalized that. Okay. And this sounds terrible. It also gave us a break to say, put it out there, cut that off and, and take a break from, from that side. So we can have a defined, uh, in state. Okay. Uh, so we can actually take a breather because it was just a lot of work to, to keep that thing updated and, and going. Oh, for sure. Now, have you like, so you wrote the book, you put it out there. Are you doing consulting around this? Like when I've read this book and I went through it, it's basically a roadmap in my, my opinion of someone that's looking at, and, and we, and we talked about this before the, we started the recording is someone starting the industry wants to kind of know about red teaming and, and kind of, you know, pen testing and, and having a, a strong framework of how it works from start to finish. Also, you got like the operation side where you look at, you know, people, like you said, that are looking at, you know, being consultants and creating a business, but also companies that are looking at hiring pen testers should read this. Have you gone out and started to kind of consult around this and just. So 
I was okay. using this framework. I'd say, I'd argue that this framework has been what I talked about anyway. So if, if you just came up and said, Hey, can you talk about red teaming? You're going to see, it's basically what I talk about in the book. Right. It's not that I wrote the book specifically to try to go have something different. This is my normal conversation about how I explain things and work through things. Uh, that's just matured over the years. And uh, it has things changed, have things changed slightly, yeah. uh, maybe some context, some wording, but the core is still there. The framework is still there on how to build an operation uh, offensive security program. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so in my consulting days, 100%, I would, I would do this. I would help red teams get through this or it help the inverse and help uh, security defensive teams understand the red team process right. and understand how, how threat emulation and adversarial actions can be useful to help you understand defense. Right. Um, so I've kind of done both sides as, as a, as a framework of knowledge. Um, I have since left the consulting world to go into take a break from consulting. Okay. That's just because consulting is, it's grueling. I, I did consulting for seven plus years. I wanted to take a step back from just the grind of consulting and take a breath. And uh, so I've changed to me a couple a uh, couple months ago to get out of the consulting world. Right. Um, but the knowledge, if, if anyone asks me about this, this is what I talk about. I mean, I did a, uh, I did a talk at the uh, ISACA, the North America ISACA conference, which is an accounting, uh, information security accounting and auditing right. uh, conference. And this is what, what I talk about. I will go and talk about the concepts of adversarial emulation, threat emulation, red teaming. How do you apply a threat-based approach to your security tests? Right. So it's been a theme I've had for quite a while now. Right, which is great. I mean, like I said, when I read through this book and you kind of see if anyone's seeing this, if you're reading it or just listening to this, I actually have tabs all throughout the book. Yeah, you scared me with that. <laughs> well, it's just you're looking at things and you're kind of going, okay, well, that's actually a key point. And then you do it again. Actually, that's a key point to to remember. And as I went through and I'm one thing, one skill I'm learning is speed reading. Right. And as you speed read, you're kind of going through your scanning, you're scanning these good points. And then when you go back for the second read through, then you're going back and highlighting kind of the areas that like, you're like, yeah, like that is something to memorize. Right. So as I was going through, I'm like, okay, tab that, tab that. And almost at one point I was like, I think I'm tabbing the whole book. And then I had to kind of take a step back and go, okay, what's essential to to memorize that, you know, in conversation that when I'm talking to people and clients and even just for myself to understand the industry, oh, yeah. what is essential to learn? And I found like, when you look through like, like the tabs I have in this, probably a good percentage, like I would say 40% of the book is tabbed in the sense that things that I think anyone who's looking at red teaming needs to know, or at least if they don't know it now, they should at least read this book and go through that conversation, right? And kind of get this in their kind of their vocabulary and their understanding because it's a, a strong framework, right? To work with clients, to work in the business, to be able to do that. Oh, I agree. This is uh, the, uh, this is what I saw missing from the red teaming community. Uh, we, lots of good technical things and I'm not discounting that. I could have went and uh, wrote, uh, written another, like, here's how you build out a red team with technical components. And here's how you attack this, this, and this. Right. Well, there's a lot of that stuff out there. It's free. The company that I worked for prior released most of this information free anyways. Um, so I, I uh, this just felt, felt over the years, the thing that was missing was the operations side. Right. 
Um, and this gets into, okay, so you have all these smart technical people. How are you going to herd those cats and to deliver something meaningful? How are you going to actually give something that's going to cause some sort of impact operation to truly understand how to measure security operations and look at it holistically from this red teaming threat perspective and uh, move forward more than just bug hunting right. and flaw identification. Not that that's bad, but we already have frameworks to talk about how to go and do flaw identification and find bugs and then go through this patch, you know, find a bug, get it patched, test and go through that cycle, right. which is fine. Uh, but this gets beyond what I, all the gaps that I saw from people trying to understand um, this adversarial approach right. to, to enhance their security testing. Right. Just I really understand. And what you talk about in the book is to really understand the mind of the, the hacker. Right. And how they think and how they're going to work through different processes for themselves. Right. And then how you're actually framing that for you to, to protect your environment. So it's kind of that different mindset, just kind of understanding that it was it was good to kind of see that written out that. Yeah. You know, and I worked physical security for several years. And that was one of the things we, we always looked at is if someone could compromise a lock, a window or all that, does the alarm system really uh, matter? Right. If they can actually get in the, in the response time, like one of the things that, you know, one of the areas I worked with, they, they were at an actual physical location. It was a warehouse and they had a window and they said, OK, yeah, with the window and we have security and, you know, we have alarm systems and cameras and all that. But, you know, they can actually break in that window, get in, take whatever they need. And the response time could be anywhere from five to ten minutes for the police. So they could already be gone right in that time. So. What else do you have? And what else measures do you have? Do you have insurance, like transference, right? We talk about like yeah. insecurity. So they have all these other measures because you know what? We do our best. You know, we have these measures in place of cameras, lighting, you know, fences, locks, things like that. But if they get in, they get in. And then we have insurance to to help with that. So, but they knew, they knew that as they thought is, how would the criminal think? Well, if they're going to get through the window, there's not much we can do. We can actually barbed wire the window or put bars there or something along that line. But how much more can we go? If they want to get in, they're going to get in, right? But at least they... Yeah, and I, and I look at um, the whole concept of what was looking from this is from my definition and how I've always defined red teaming, yeah. um, where I really want to focus on the defensive concept. So if you start from right to left and say, okay, some organization has created defensive program. They've hired people, they've built, they have tools, they have programs to prevent and detect and respond right so many of our security tests focus on the preventative side right that would say you can or cannot do this it's some binary type approach and that's fine that's great that's an attack that's a level of attack surface uh measurement so you can say well the, the attack surface is pretty open or it's pretty narrow right. but regardless of the attack surface size there's always a surface and really what you're looking for is what value are you getting from your security operations as a whole can they not just prevent, but can they detect? If they detect, can they respond and actually recover? You have all of these components that are, can be looked at right. and, and measure and understand uh, the blue team, the security defense is the primary objective of how I put red team operations uh, into play. So you're looking at what did we spend all of our money on? What did we spend all our resources on? We sent everyone to training. They're supposed to protect, detect, respond, and recover. How is this really working? And you can build out a red team engagement that focuses on that. Right. Do you use flaws and, and exploits and all that? Yes, you do. 
Can it look and feel a lot like a pen test? Very much so. But the whole, the big difference is the intent. Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to identify flaws and identify attack paths? Or are you trying to move through an environment um, in some sort of uh, threat way to elicit either a response from detection, measure the capability of the defensive team, right. depending on the goals. Right. And that's really what you're trying to, to focus on. Right. And that makes sense, right? Because you want to test your environment. If you get someone that's in and there's nothing happening, then what's the point, right? They're, they're, and you come back with a report, like some pen testing teams I've seen, they come back with a report and say, yeah, you need to fix this. We were in and we got this way. Okay, but yes. So what? Like, what are we supposed to do, right? You know, was and then they start the questions on the client side as well. What about the firewall? Was there alerts? You know, did you get through this? What happened with their sim? Like, you know, they want to know all these informations. But like you said, if you can kind of think as a pen testing team, in my opinion, that way to help the blue team to help kind of identify these things, I think it's a way better engagement. Yeah, and I I tend to separate. Uh, pen testing, vulnerability assessments, and red teaming, yeah. and put them in their own categories. Yeah. They have a lot of crossover, but I do that because, and, and I talk about this in the book as well, we in our security industry shoot ourselves in the foot through definitions. Go follow Twitter and say, hey, here's my definition of red teaming and watch what happens. Right. You're going to get a thousand different reasons of what, why thing, what things are. And what I see, I'll go back to the business operations to be able to communicate effectively, is I see... I define red teaming like it is like this. It is like that. Like, and I see, oh, we've already failed. You should be very concise and specific in your definition. So even in the book, I have uh, the book, uh, take a step back. The book's layout is each chapter has some sort of homework at the end. Basically, I want to have some practical guide that says, based on what you just read, these are the things you should be able to apply and do immediately. Go work on this. One of those components is creating your definition, your lexicon of terms. Right. Because I want to have a common base of communication and a common language when we go and have communications. Because I see this all the time. Someone says, I need a red team. I want you to come do some super elite hack and see if you can break all the things. From my definition, that is not a red team engagement. You're looking at some very technical penetration test that's trying to validate some sort of attack path. Right. It's not bad. It's It's not saying one is better than the other. It's just different. Right. So we have to have that baseline of understanding and commonality of terms because we do so bad to our own industry and hurt ourselves uh, with the whole red teaming. Red teaming has a big buzzword. It's really cool. It looks good in sales. And I can't tell you often, or I'll hear the word red team pen test. And I'm like, you're just confusing everyone. Take a step back. Let's come up with something simple. Let's explain what does this mean? Not just use a word, but what is the meaning behind that word? And it makes a huge difference. Right. I take that to pretty much any meeting I go to. I baseline pretty much every single time, especially if it's a new group, to have an understanding of what everyone is, uh, everyone's terms and understanding are. And I am not going to be a red team elitist that says we have to use the word red teaming. I personally don't care what we call it. Right. I look at this in terms of goals. Right. Like, what are we trying to achieve? That's what our goals are. We can put whatever label we want to around that. Right. And which is better because then it defines it for everyone in the room, right? So everyone's talking the same oh, yeah. language. No, I completely understand. So if I was starting out in kind of in this environment and what advice would you give to someone that's watching this, someone's listening right now, uh, someone that's starting a pen t- testing team that's wanting to start an engagement, what are some recommendations? Other than, other than, and we'll hold you on there. Oh, reading your book. <laughs> Start with this. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, if you're wanting to go, um, so with that, since you say the book, yeah. if you're looking at building out a red team and you have, uh, and you're starting, so kind of starting on that end, yeah. uh, I do recommend the, the topics that I put in the book. Yeah. I have the, the, the companion website has a lot of stuff. For sure. It's just available for anybody. It's just out there. Um, so that's just available. There are tons of resources out there to, to learn um, how to do this. The main thing that I would say is if you're trying to do red teaming, define what it is and look at it from a goal. What, what are your goals? Why do you need a red team? How is this going to be different from your pen test? And uh, you need to have that knowledge first. Right. So you need to have an understanding of what are you trying to understand? If you have goals of training and or measuring security operations as a whole, then you can probably put that into a red team category and you might want to build some red teaming which then leads into, well, how do you run an uh, offensive security program? Right. How do you actually build this out? You're going to have to have technical people who can actually execute these things. You're going to have to get into, especially now, things have changed quite a bit um, over the years to where it's harder. Defensive teams have gotten better. So your uh, technical chops have to be much better. Right. And not just in exploitation, but actually running, managing command and control, building out your own tools and payloads, and uh, it really fundamentally comes work, working backwards. Um, you have to understand the technology that you're going against. Okay. So uh, we talk, you see Windows environments a lot with, with Windows attacks and all sorts of, of related in the, in the Windows domain uh, world. Well, you can't do any of those things if you don't understand how Windows operates. Right. And you don't understand how Windows domain operates. You don't understand how authentication operates. You don't understand how processes and tokens are actually um, being utilized as Windows is doing its thing. Right. So back to the basics. You have to have a fundamental understanding of the IT that's that's uh, that you're doing security on. Okay. Um, security to me is just an extension of IT. We are all just sysadmins with a different job. Right. That that's really how I kind of view that. Okay. Um, so you can't just go hack stuff if you don't understand it. Uh, you need to have a fundamental understanding of how that works. Application security testers, uh, something I did for a long time. Without an understanding of how uh, like HTTP protocols work, okay. how the uh, the actual code executes and runs, whether you're talking about Java or um, C Sharp or whatever language you're using, if you don't understand that, you're going to be very limited. Right. So uh, the core piece of that is you have to have uh, the basics. You need to have an understanding of the underlying technologies that you're working for, okay. uh, that you're looking at. Interesting. So yeah, would you recommend someone starting out maybe kind of look at more blue team uh, side if you look at system in programming, uh, network, network infrastructure, kind of look at that side first before they jump into security? Well, you can you can do this parallel and it's tough and uh, it's possible, uh, especially with resources now. And you can kind of skip some steps, if you will. Now, there are huge pros to have had a sysadmin background or a developer background, there's some really, really good benefits for that. Right. Um, not everyone has that, or, or, or if you go to school now and you go to you know, cybersecurity school and you come out, hey, I'm some security person now, well, you have some base understanding of attack techniques, but you just don't have that, that framework of you know, how Windows operates and stuff, but you can learn this on your own. Right. So you can kind of start in the middle knowing that you, just because you've got your degree or some sort of qualification that you understand security, you still need to backfill that somehow. Right. Um, 
and that's going to be through more education. Right. Um, looking at the in the cloud security world, there are a ton of certifications. We'll talk certifications again yeah. that can really help that world. I actually see that that being a new open area for people to explore. This still has a lot of room uh, to do new interesting things. It just hasn't been done. Uh, cloud security um, type environments also leads into, I would argue, application security. They're very, very tightly uh, related. Um, so then you can go and, and build that up. But either way, no matter where you are, if you're starting fresh or you're kind of starting in the middle because you've gone through some security degree, you've got to make sure that foundation is there in some form. You have to understand networking. Uh, you have to understand protocols, how these things work, the basic whole TCP IP protocol stack and all the related pieces. OSI model. If you don't know that. Yeah, if you don't have that fun foundation and, and an operational understanding, you're going to have limits. Right. Um, if you don't understand how applications work, you're going to have limits when you see an HTTP request. What are you going to do with that? Can you, does it mean anything to you? Right. Or if you say, hey, I'm sitting on a Windows box. Okay, now what? What can I do? I mean, how do I execute something? What are my, you know, limits? What, what's, uh, how do I actually, you know, utilize credential material that, I, that I've captured? Right. So it goes back to having an operational understanding of the technology, uh, the underlying technologies that you're working with. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work. Yeah. Well, I mean, to uh, be honest, I mean, and, and talking and understanding the industry from even being on IT for myself starting out, I mean, you work your nine to five or nine, you know, even nine to eight sometimes, depending on, you know, how deep your team is and how busy you are. And then at, at the end of the day, you have to go home and study, right? And you have to keep learning, keep yeah. developing. I mean, it's not easy. And as you move up in your career, you work with different companies, depending on the workload. I mean, having that availability to, to have that time, you know, that work-life balance to be able to study, you know, two hours a night to kind of keep up and ramp yourself up can be hard. It can be difficult. Oh, yeah. And, and okay, so I, I've worked and I just left uh, when I was working over at Spectre Ops with those guys for the last uh, like two and a half plus years. A um, lot of really, really talented people. Right. And when you start to say, okay, how are they doing what it is? It's because they are highly passionate about what they're doing. And in their free time, sure, they may go play Xbox, they may go watch TV or something, but a huge component of what they want to do is studying and learning is not a burden. It is a joy and a true fascination. Right. Um, not saying everyone can do that. Sometimes a job is just a job, but if you want to take the next level up and really be good, when you have that passion, you're going to work on it just because like, you know, I want to, I want to spend the next four hours like digging into this weird uh, technical problem right. that no one's paying me for. I'm just sitting here. It's a Saturday night. I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything. And I'm just going to work on this and totally nerd out. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just, that's, if that becomes like a hobby and passion, that's great. Um, all of those people that I've known, who uh, are really good that you see who publish information out there, who put all these great tools out there. That's what they're doing. They are, they are living and breathing this constantly. And they built up that foundation to where now when they attack a new problem, they can do it fairly quickly because they have so, um, you know, the information just kind of gains and gains as you, uh, as you go through and you just get better at, at doing that type of stuff. For sure. So any recommendations you have, uh, other than the book, kind of out of there, what we've talked about so far, anything that you have recommendations for potentially people like, you know, are looking for red team engagement? Um, if you're going to go, well, first of all, I'll say again, you need to understand if red teaming is right for you. So you need to understand what those goals are. If you're going to do this, if you decide that you want to go and pursue uh, um, red teaming, 
from a techno, if you're a technical person, you need to have those technical chops, which means you're going to need to understand all of those things we were just talking about. Right. So you're going to have to build this up. I would argue that a good red teamer sometimes could be considered maybe a senior in other areas and other parts of our industry, okay. just because you've got to be a jack of uh, all trades. You really do have to understand this whole environment. You might be on a Windows box. You might be on a Linux box. You're going to have to deal with uh, you know routing and networking components. You're gonna hit applications. Right. These can be local applications that you may have to decompile and do some craziness things to. You may have uh, network applications or you may have web applications you're gonna deal with. So all of those are there. Right. With that said, I would pick one or two and start to drive down that. Okay. I personally went down the application security route. That's how I was able to break into security because there was a lack of uh, people doing it at the time. Right. And even me doing it poorly allowed me to to jump into that that realm right. to do that. If you already have now on the flip side, if you already have an established program and you're wanting to incorporate red teaming, I would just recommend building out a threat focused um, engagement and just running through it. Go through uh, red teaming best practices, not for the sake of discovering some really good flaw on your network or some sort of uh, you know um, measurement of the blue or red, uh, blue, blue team, mm -hmm. but actually just understand if you have some way of actually executing, can I control these steps? Can I execute on target, keep on my log, keep things moving forward, maintain command and control, do some lateral movement and, and basically just walk through the steps that make up the core, uh, things that you're doing during an engagement. Okay. Um, that's what I recommend for everyone. Or if you can hire someone, I'm not kind of trying to promote any consultings <laughs> side by side right. execution right. with is a great way for someone to get um, kind of walk through that. Uh, a lot of people are like, I don't really know what I'm doing and, and I've never done it. Well, if you can get someone who's done it and they just sit there and kind of advise, they don't actually touch the keyboard or do anything. They say, Hey, you probably need to do this. We need to move to this phase. Let's uh, let's make sure we're capturing this information, you know, and Oh, the blue team is responding. Here's how we need to handle that from a red perspective. And that gives a huge safety net and comfort. I did that quite a bit, right. actually. Okay. That gives a huge comfort to a team who's kind of questioning themselves and trying to walk through this new world where they have someone they can say, ah, okay, this person's done it. This team has done it. L let's lean on them um, and see what we can do. And once you do that once or twice, you're fine and, and you can move forward. Okay. No, that's good. Good advice. Uh, last question for on my side is um, in 2020, what would you recommend from what you've seen, kind of what you've worked with? What do you, would you recommend companies really take a look at? I mean, you know, look, you got data, data protection, you got cloud solutions you talked about, you know, you look at, you know, compliance. What are some areas as a red teamer, someone that's an expert in the field, you'd recommend in 2020 companies start, need to start taking a look at these, th these areas? Um, I got, I'll actually say there's two areas. One, yeah. the whole cloud computing area. Yeah. Uh, computers are computers. Technology is technology. There's not a lot of difference. The difference now is we just have a little bit more complexities in these. So we have more of the DevOps application security components. So there's unknown risks. Right. I'm not saying it's good or bad. There's some unknown components to that. Um, implementation could look very, very similar to what we've already been doing traditionally. Right. So the whole cloud security component, the DevOps side is a huge area for people to, uh, to explore. Okay. The other side that I'd say is, is the most valuable is we need to understand as an industry um, or anyone who's utilizing uh, security services, are our defenses working? Okay. 
And I don't mean preventative controls. I mean, we again, we have a security defensive team. We have this threat hunting team. They have all these things that we say they need to do. Are they doing it? Can they actually operate effectively? When you have a detection and they say, ah, oh, we found this. So what? Right. What's the so what factor? Could they, can they actually stop that? Can they prevent it? Can they, are they actually able to engage a realistic threat? Okay. That is, and that gets into a red side and a blue side to where we really need to understand are our defenses uh, working as designed. Okay. So when you have leadership say, hey, how are we doing over here on our detections? Like, no, we've had no breaches or everything's going great. You know, we, our patch levels are up. Whatever silly metrics that are going on. Now you need to see where does the rubber hit the road on how does our defenses actually operate from protection? So all the preventative controls, detection as well. You need to be able to identify uh, a threat activity and then that's good. But then even more important, I'd argue is, can you respond to that? Right. Can you actually deal with that problem? Um, being able to say, I see you. It's like, okay, you see me, I'm on your network. Can you do anything about that? Right. And move through those phases. Basically, does your security operations program work? Right. That is probably the biggest takeaway I see that we need as an industry. And that, that comes down to some things that we've been covering more and more this year is breach response, instant response, you know, kind of those areas, disaster recover, business continuity, kind of those areas as a business you know, you look at too, just to make sure that, especially with COVID-19 and the pandemic, that they're all up to date because the landscape has completely changed to make sure that, like you said, if something does happen, they can respond to it. So, and it's been modified for the, for our new environment. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, what is your detection strategy? What's your approach to understanding that? Um, I argue that red teaming is not an offensive security, not an offensive sport. Right. Um, it is actually a defensive sport. We don't exist to do bad things. We actually are a subset of the of the security defensive team. Right. We're there to identify uh, any sort of issues and challenges and make them better. So that if we do some sort of engagement and advice is taken, the second time we do that, it's going to be much harder for us from an offensive security perspective. For sure. So a lot of those types of things is re re understanding our role from an offensive security, um, the offensive security industry. I would even put this into pen testing and vulnerability testing. We are really all part of the blue team. We are all part of the defensive team. That is really what we need to do. So we back to that hole. We need to bridge those uh, gaps from relationships, have everyone come together and uh, really focus on, on improving what's important. Yeah, you that's know, it's great points. It's, uh, like I said, amazing having this conversation with you, especially at this time when you look at everything's happening in the environment with the COVID nineteen and the oh, yeah, companies yeah. are now changing. You know, you know, remote workers and VPN access and you know data is kind of off the network a lot of times, and they're setting oh, up yeah. cloud solutions. So everything's changed, had to change overnight. So having this great conversation with you about the red team operations, kind of what companies need to look at. It's been so helpful. And I'm hopefully the people that are watching this are getting some value and getting some ideas of what they need to look at and what they need to kind of reevaluate, especially on their security posture and their security maturity program and what they're working on. So thank you so much, Joe. Oh yeah. It's been great. Yeah. So is there anything else you kind of want to add you wanted to share? I just, uh, I just think that uh, I'm very uh, humbled that anyone purchased this book. <laughs> honestly, uh, I'm not an author. James is not an author. We just are practitioners in the industry who have been pushing this idea, and uh, it's a solid idea. It's a solid plan um, that that's practical and, and useful for people. So uh, 
um, I was I was happy that anyone actually purchased this thing and uh, you know contributed to uh, to help with this industry. Um, so I, I'm just thankful and I'm humbled that um, it's even available for people to uh, to acquire. So <laughs> I'll do one better for you. Uh, someone that is growing in the field and kind of, you know, had an interest myself into pen testing and, you know, red team and, you know, OSCP, I found this book, one of my kind of essential reads to give that framework and understanding. So I would say it's actually essential part of, you know, if your library, if you're in security and cybersecurity in any area, you should have this book as a resource that you review and you kind of go back through just because it gives a great foundation and great knowledge. So it's great that you came out with it and you decide that, you know, you'd provide the industry with that. So I'm going to say that on my point, right, from someone who's read the book cover to cover, you know, a few times, <laughs> speed reading through. All right, then, then I'll change it. So everyone in the security industry, it's a required uh book now that it's part is you need to have it every if you don't have it then you're you're not going to succeed yeah <laughs> puppies puppies will die right unicorns will yeah 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 so all that stuff right but yeah uh, i'm gonna have the link for this guys uh in the description uh for this book on amazon so you guys can go pick that up uh someone that comments below and defines red team pen penetration testing the teams i'm actually have a free copy that i'll send out to you so do that comment below define that properly if you've read the read the book and go all that i actually have another copy that i'll send out to you or a colleague or a friend so just to let you guys you make people do some homework that's good <laughs> as we know we're in the it cybersecurity field if you're not doing some homework you're not working hard enough right yeah oh yeah yeah awesome joe thank you so, so much for your time this was amazing to kind of learn and just have this conversation with you uh, like I said, I really liked the book. I, I enjoyed kind of going through it a few times and just, it just really kind of sparked my knowledge and education on when it comes to, like you said, vulnerability, pen testing and the red team. Very good. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much guys. I just want to say thank you so much for watching this. Uh, again, remember the, the book's going to be below a description. Uh, if you have any questions for, for Joe, uh, let me know, comment below. I'm sure Joe's going to be watching this. Uh, he's, Hasn't been doing too much, too much consulting as he's working full time now, but, uh, your website is threatexpress.com. Is that correct? Yep. So if you guys have any questions, that is where we keep our blogs and the, uh, the companion website is, yep. uh, redteam.guide. Redteam.guide. And then that's also in the book as well. Uh, yeah. you can also follow Joe on Twitter and on uh, LinkedIn. I'll actually put his Twitter address below so you guys can connect with him and just tell him how much you guys love the book. All right. Yeah, I'm easy going. Um, I, I will respond and talk to anybody who has questions. Uh, I do it quite often. So uh, no problem. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joe. So guys, I just want to remind you, don't forget, software is hackle, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber.